From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. All right, so we are in Genesis chapter 26, and may get into Genesis chapter 27. If you remember where we are in Genesis, um, we're now kind of tracking along with Isaac. Uh, Isaac is the son of Abraham. He's got a, a brother named Ishmael, and um, Isaac is doing really, really, really well. Uh, he's living in the promised land. Um, he is uh, he is uh, got wells. He's got a tribe. He's almost like his father Abraham. He's got he's got livestock. He's got land. He's got wells. He's got agriculture. Uh, he's got a beautiful, beautiful wife. He's got two strapping young boys. Um, and just life is going really, 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 really well for Isaac. I mean, this is probably the highlight of Isaac's life, right? He's got everything. He's got a wife and children and servants and livestock and food. And uh, he's from the lineage of Abraham and uh, just... He's made a treaty. He is so powerful that Abimelech, who is the neighboring king, decides to come and make a, a treaty with Isaac to, you know, because Isaac's just so powerful. And he's connected to God, too. I mean, God seems to be blessing Isaac. And, and Abimelech notices this, and so he wants to make a treaty with Isaac. So Isaac's really kind of at the top of his game. You'd think, what could possibly go wrong? What could make... What, if anything, could make Isaac or Rebecca sad? And, um, you know, it's just part of human nature that no matter how life is going, I mean, you can have all the things in the world and think that life can go well, but there will always be something that's going to bring you sadness. Um, and, it, and the truth is, is that for Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, um, there is a source of sadness. And uh, we're going to get into that today. Um, because I would think that one of the major sources of sadness, of course, is, is always family issues, right? We want, we want everything for our family. We want our kids to, to mature into wonderful young people. We want them to um, get married and have children and start their own families and be kings and queens of their own domain and see what it's like to struggle being parents, but then to get through that struggle and, and see how life takes you and see the cycle of, of generations continue. And um, so, uh, but that doesn't seem to be happening just yet for, for Isaac. And I think it's a source of grief for Abraham and Isaac, or for Isaac and Sarah. So let's get into the story today and see kind of where it takes us. Uh, let's see. Yeah. We're going to start, so this is the end of 26, uh, and then at the beginning of, of chapter 27. Now, when Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of Biri, the Hittite, and also Basemeth, daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. All right, so... Now we have, in the midst of this wonderful life that Isaac and Rebecca are having, now we have a source of grief. And um, the source of grief is, of course, their son Esau. He's 40 years old, hasn't found a wife yet. Um, and so he goes off to uh, 
to Canaan and he marries these Hittite women. One is Basemeth, uh, daughter of Elon. Now, this is not, if this was the daughter of Elon Musk, you might be pretty, pretty happy about that because Elon Musk, I don't know if you know who Elon Musk is. He is, um, he is the guy that invented the Tesla. He is also the one that put it out there for the Hyperloop. He's also uh, shipping rockets into space and putting rockets, or, you know, satellites uh, into the atmosphere for himself and for the federal government. He's a pretty smart guy. I actually, I actually like Elon Musk. Um, he and I uh, are very similar uh, personalities. He he thinks big, big, you know, thoughts, but doesn't have time to you know pursue all the great big thoughts. So he he put the Hyperloop out there as an idea, and of course several different companies are coming out and actually producing this Hyperloop. Now the Hyperloop, oh, should I get into this? Hyperloop is a, a train that's in a tube and they vacuum the air out of the tube so there's less drag so it can go very, very fast. That's what the Hyperloop is. And it was a concept that Elon Musk had, but he said, I've got so much stuff on my plate, I don't have time to deal with this. And so he put it out there as an open source thing and a bunch of people picked up on it. Now there's two companies that are really racing after to be the first Hyperloop. I think there's a couple uh, countries, uh, the United Arab Emirates, I think is maybe one of them where they're going to actually build a Hyperloop between two of their largest cities or something like that, which United Arab Emirates has nothing else. I mean, they don't have any trees or <laughs> that's probably the easiest place to build a Hyperloop because it's out in the middle of the desert with nothing. Um, but anyway, that's Elon Musk. This is a different Elon. I don't know how I got off on Elon, but I guess because I like Elon Musk. I like his concepts. I like, he thinks big, big, big thoughts. Uh, and he's able to rally people around him to, you know, find the financing and develop the, the plans for it. And he's just very successful that way. And so you'd want your daughter to marry Elon Musk. It's a pretty super guy. But um, base math is, is the daughter of a different Elon, the Hittite. So not Elon Musk, Elon the Hittite. And then Judith, daughter of Biri, the Hittite. So now we have the source of grief. And that is this. If you'll remember uh, the promised Abraham, Isaac's father, was that he'd be a great nation, but they're supposed to marry um, within the tribe of Abraham and his clan. And the Hittites are not part of the clan. The Hittites are actually uh, not at all and the, and the main difference, I mean, they're probably the same people, but the main difference is that the Hittites do not follow the one true God, the one that came to Abraham. Uh-oh, I am. Oh, it's it just, uh, sorry about that. It looked like I lost the feed for a second. Um, so uh, Abraham, uh, the promise was to him and his family, but they're supposed to marry within the tribe. They're supposed to marry people that have to follow the one true God. The Hittites don't do that. They follow many gods. They're pagans. Uh, and so Esau goes and finds two women who are not um, of the same, they don't follow the same God. And, and that, I think, well, that is the source of grief between Rebecca and Isaac, uh, is that their son went and found two different women, uh, you know, not of, not of the followers of the God of Abraham. So, uh, and this is, um, this is a source of grief for many, many families. It is tough. It is tough to marry somebody that does not have the same, 
belief system that you have. Uh, I mean, it's not that you can't love someone who doesn't have the same belief system and you can't have children with someone who's the same belief system. And we see this all the time, you know, in the United States where, uh, you know, people fall in love and who they fall in love with then shapes their faith journey. Uh, and faith is a hard thing to begin with. I mean, it is not as if um, faith ever conflicts with the world around you. And you, uh, the, the thing that you want most for your children, probably more, I mean, when I look at my children, the two things that I want most for them is one, I want them to find somebody who is going to help them grow in their faith, to grow closer to God, to uh, life is tough and there are going to be events that are going to come at them really, really hard and fast and difficult. And you want somebody in that partnership, in that relationship that build them up, that see them as a precious child of God and wants to work with them to be that instrument in their life to help them grow into the person that God wants them to be. I mean, that is, that is paramount in a marriage. Uh, now, I'm not saying you can't marry somebody that can help you grow and all that sort of thing, but it is so much easier if you marry someone that has the same faith background that you have. Uh, I've seen, I've seen some, quite honest, I've seen some successful marriages uh, where they're not from the same faith tradition. Uh, and I've seen some, I've seen some successful marriages where one partner, you know, one person uh, has a deep faith and the other one doesn't have any faith at all. I don't know how that works, uh, but I've seen that also happen because for me, uh, my faith is such an important part of who I am that I can't imagine marrying somebody that's not going to help me grow in my faith. I, I think that is just so important. Well, it is to me. Uh, and, and fortunately, God provided in my life somebody um, who has the same faith background that I am. And I, I try to help her grow in her faith. And she definitely helps me grow in my faith. She definitely helps prune my life uh, in amazing and wonderful ways. And I can't imagine how life without that. But there are people that do. Uh, and some of them, you know, so first of all, there are also people that marry somebody the same faith tradition, but it doesn't go well for other reasons. I mean, that is that happens. So it, there's no guarantee that just simply because you marry somebody of your same faith tradition that life's going to be hunky-dory because you're still dealing with sinful human beings and that doesn't always work out that well. Um, but I think there's a higher percentage chance that it'll work out well you know, on averages, if you have somebody the same faith tradition, because you can speak the same language almost going into the marriage, right? Um, and, and, and there's certainly marriages that work well even when you're not from the same faith tradition. So I've seen that happen too. So there's no guarantees in life. But blessed is the couple who have the same faith tradition and the marriage works well. I mean, I mean that's, that's basically, you're firing on all cylinders, things are great when that happens. So blessings to those marriages uh, from the same faith tradition and that's a good, happy you know, marriage. I mean, th that I think provides an incredibly stable foundation to have children. I think children born in those, in those conditions will probably have you know, great families 
although not always. I mean, these are these are general generalities. So for you know, for those of you struggle in any of these areas, you know, God is still with you. It's it's not, you know, He just has to deal in a different way. You have to navigate in different ways. Um, but I personally, I guess I'll tell you my story. I'm very blessed because I have a, a wonderful wife who is from the same faith tradition that I am. You know, we're both Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. That's our denomination, um, and uh, and we we just. We're just very, very blessed in that in that area. And uh, so that's what Isaac and Rebecca wanted for their child Esau. And Esau does not go and find someone in the faith tradition of Jacob and or of of Isaac and Rebecca. He goes off and finds a Hittite woman, two Hittite women, by the way, two Hittite women, by the way. And this is a source of grief for Isaac and Rebekah. And of course, it's a source of grief because they're not followers of the one true God that came to Abraham. But I want to pause here because if you'll remember, Abraham wanted to find a wife for his son, Isaac. And what does he do? He sends a search party back to the tribe to find a wife uh, I don't know if this is not too long ago where we read this story. He sends a servant with a bunch of goods, camels loaded with goods and things to go back to the home country and to, uh, within that tribe, find, you know, he doesn't want to find Canaanite women. He wants to go back and find followers of the one true God to find a wife for his son, Isaac. And, and the servant goes to the well and this beautiful woman, Rebecca, comes and he goes to Rebecca's house and he makes this deal with Rebecca's father. And he actually gives Rebecca's father all this wealth. And he takes Rebecca home for Isaac. And all of that was done by Abraham. Uh, and Isaac does not do this for his son Esau. Um, and I find that curious because Isaac was so blessed to find a beautiful wife. Uh, and in uh, a wife that honors dad and mom, you know, he was, and dad and mom take the first step and do this, but Isaac doesn't. And because Isaac is not involved in finding a wife for his son, now there's a source of grief because I, you know, Esau needs to have a wife and dad's not doing anything. And so he goes and takes matters into his own hand. So, um, this is, this is uh, I find this curious because throughout the history of time, um, you want your children to do two things. One is you want your children to find a spouse uh, that they love, that they, that, they, that they can live the rest of their life with. But you also, because you're older and you're more experienced and because you love your children, you also want to find a spouse that is gonna be good for their children. There's actually two competing things, I think. I said this before. So the first thing you want for your, for, your, uh, for your children is to find a spouse who will turn them into the people that God wants them to be. Someone who, who is complementary to them to help them grow in their faith. The other thing that you want for them to find in a spouse, this is number two, is you want them to find a spouse that adores them, that loves them, that cares for them, that... Um, you know, uh, I've got daughters and one of the things I look for, um, 
when my daughters are out dating men, right, is what do these guys, you know, two things. One is what's their faith journey? You know, what what's important to them? Are they gonna help my children grow in their faith? But the other thing is, is how do they treat my daughters? Do they adore my daughters? Do they think that my daughters walk on water, that they're the most special thing ever? Do, are they, do they, would they do anything for my daughters? Are, do they, do they adore them? Those are the two things that you want for your children. The best spouse to help them grow to be the people that God wants them to be, to be people of faith, and to adore your children. Those are the two things. And um, I obviously Esau goes and finds two Hittite women and he adores them because obviously he marries them, so he adores them. Where, he, where the failure was is it wasn't the second thing. It wasn't part of the faith tradition of Abraham and Isaac. And so um, that's a source of grief. And I think parents, uh, this is tough for us because uh, we, on the one hand, we don't want to trample. We want them to. We want our children to kind of navigate their own way to find who God is leading them to. Um, but on the second, on the second point, we want them. To, we want to be cautious that they find somebody that um, that helps them grow in their faith. You know, somebody that's complementary to them on a spiritual level, and. Uh, the best way to do that, the best way to accomplish that is not when they're in the market looking for a spouse. The best way to accomplish that is, is to raise them up uh, with the expectation um, that at some point they will get married, you know, and that you're expecting that they would find somebody who is complementary in their faith and that's very important to you and how important it is for you and your wife uh, we've told our children time and time again, marriage is tough. So the, the two things that are going to help you in marriage is find somebody of your faith tradition and find somebody that adores you, right? And, and this conversation happens from day one. And it's Jennifer's parents and my parents praying for our children and us praying for our children from day one that God is already preparing for them a spouse um, for for our children and for our grandchildren that that somebody out there god is already preparing a fine young man or fine young woman um and this this happens in jennifer's family i don't know if it was as strong in my family but definitely jennifer's parents prayed for me um that god would be preparing me um, and we prayed for our children that God would be preparing somebody for them. And now we're praying for our grandchildren that God is preparing somebody for them. Um, and, and, you know, making that an important part of your prayer life, an important part of the prayer journey of a parent. So that, uh, I mean, it's not 100% foolproof. Um, we live in a sinful world. And, and, you know, even if they don't marry someone in the same faith journey or someone who does, you, you can still have very successful marriages. I'm not denying that. But we as grandparents, we as parents do have a role in this. And that role is to be very, very involved in the early development of our children and saying how important this is. The, I don't think, I think in my life, the greatest joy and I've done a lot of fun things. I've done a lot of things that have made me joy. I've done a lot of things I'm very proud of. I've done some things I'm not happy about. But 
and you don't realize this until your kids are gone, but the greatest joy in life is finding a spouse, having children and raising them uh, where you are the king and queen of your domain. I mean, it is, it, is the, it is the one thing that you get to do once in life uh, that will bring you the most satisfaction, it will bring you the most joy, and it could be potentially the source of the most grief in your life. So finding that spouse is the most important thing, the most important decision your children will probably ever make in their life, and they don't even know it. <laughs> they don't even know it. That they're how they find their spouse and where they find their spouse and how two people get together and how they live their life together and how they're going to grow their family and what set of standards and you know what what they're going to use as the foundation of the development of that family um, is so important and I, I look at Isaac and I'm like Isaac buddy what are you doing why your dad Abraham found you a spouse and it worked out pretty well. Uh, and now you're not even involved in helping Esau find somebody for himself. Um, I think that's a kind of a dereliction of duty there. I'm not saying he has to take 10 camels and go back and find a spouse. And, you know, I, maybe I'm just short changing a little bit, Isaac. Maybe Isaac had these conversations. Like, yeah, I'm going to go get some camels and I'm going to go get a spouse. And Esau's like, nope, I don't want you to do that. I'll find my own spouse, I promise you, Dad. You know, one of these hunting trips, I'm gonna go come back and I'm gonna find a spouse. She's gonna be sitting there and uh, I don't know. But um, for whatever reason, Isaac uh, doesn't do this. And so Esau is left to his own devices. He goes, gets two Hittite women. You know, and he'll, he'll be fine. It's just that it's harder. It's harder if you don't have somebody with the, that's gonna that's going to be the same faith tradition of you and help you to grow in the person that God wants you to be. That it's hard, and marriage is hard enough that you don't want to add extra things. But the other thing that is true is that you can't stop love, right? I mean, I, I fell in love with Jennifer at age 16, and uh, I was Twitterpated and taken... Um, by just her presence and I had I mean you, you can't stop that either I mean that's just the way life is you see somebody all of a sudden God hits God hits you over the head with a two by four and love happens and um, so uh, I wonder if she had not been uh, like if I had found her at my high school because we met at church. If I'd have found her at high school and she was the one and, um, and she was not a Christian or had the same faith as me, I wonder if I would have fallen in love with her. Um, I think probably not, but you just, you don't know. I mean, these are questions you can't answer because my journey is my journey. Uh, and God blessed me with the most amazing woman that you can possibly imagine. Um, and I'm sure I was a source of grief for her parents. <laughs> because while we met at church, my family was different from her family. My family, you know, the things that are important in my family were things not as important in her family. So, 
you know, there's always that. Even though we came from the same church, we didn't come from the same value system, I would say. Um, but there was one thing that I can tell them honestly is that I was a Christian, number one. And number two, I adored her and still adore her today. She still makes my heart go pitter-patter. You know, I've been married 34 years or something like that. And I still, just every day, I feel like I'm the most blessed man. So, um, man, I wanted to get into a story about Isaac and the birthright. Um, well, uh, well, let's just read a little bit more. We won't get into the story of the birthright, but there's one point in here that I want to point. Um, we'll start at verse 27, verse 1, about the middle of this. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and he said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment your quiver and bow and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. So um, Isaac is older and now he realizes he's close to death and so he calls his firstborn son Esau that he loves and says go because I'm going to give you the birthright. Now the reason why I wanted to just look at this real briefly is that even though um, Isaac and Rebekah were grieved by the fact that Esau married Hittite women, Isaac is not going to withhold to him the birthright. Uh, he is still going to bless him before he, he, he he's going to give him a blessing before he dies. Um, and that is that's a huge blessing too. I think first and foremost, we do everything we can to try to help our kids' lives work out. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But don't deny your children the blessing before you die. Um, your children are a gift from God. And no matter how messed up they are, no matter how bad things get in life, no matter how they go in paths and journeys that you may not approve of. Uh, and you know, when they're in your house, you can... You can discipline them and try to guide them in the journey that you want to guide them and you can do everything in your power to try to make them do the things that you know will be best for them in their life but once they grow up and they leave the home and they start living their own life your job as a parent now is to give advice sure absolutely if you see them erring and it seems appropriate give them advice never stop being a parent to them but never stop giving them the blessing Never stop adoring who they are. Never stop lifting them up and caring for them. Uh, every child is going to mess up in life. Every single one of them. They're going to do things that you're going to say, what are you thinking? But that doesn't mean you can't bless them. And, and um, you know, don't withhold your blessing to them because of the things that they mess up. You messed up too when you were growing up. You didn't do everything all right when you, you were growing up. Uh, so don't don't deny the blessing to your children. And Isaac, you know, he doesn't necessarily find the right women for his for Esau. However, that plan, planned out, but but Isaac is going to give a blessing to his son, and uh, because that's what he's supposed to do. He he tells Isaac, "I love you. I'm going to give you a blessing. Now go out," which is an indication to you know to to Esau that he still loves him. He still cares for him, even though he's messed up. He still loves him.
You know, if that's not a metaphor for God, you know, once you're in the kingdom, uh, it is so true that we continue to mess up. God gives us his word to guide us. He gives us other Christian people to help guide us. You know, iron sharpens iron and all that. Even with all that, we still mess up. But God does not withhold his blessing to us. Um, God blesses us every day with, with, for me, it's the beauty of, of Southern Arizona on the east side of Tucson, this place called Vail and my family and my wife and just the blessings that I have. God does not deny them from me. And the greatest blessing of all is that I'm in the kingdom and that he loves me and that I'm going to be with him forever. Uh, and he fills me with joy and laughter and all that because he doesn't deny his blessing from me. And that is a great gift. So I think we'll end it here. Uh, tomorrow we're going to talk about how that blessing goes when Esau comes back. Uh, it doesn't go necessarily as it's planned, but it goes as God planned it. And so that's good. So as we close, why don't we just close in prayer? Gracious God, thank you for the blessings of parents. Um, thank you for, for marriages. Um, and thank you, Lord, that you love us unconditionally and you bless us every day. Until we meet again, keep us in your grace. In Jesus' name, 